Now I earn a living. This shark swallow you whole. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. Find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. You yell shark, we've got a panel on our hands on the 4th of July. Pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of the boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. A what? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Now, I'm not saying that this is not the shark. It probably is, Martin. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different than the wounds on the victim. Do they? Do they blow up? Do scuba tanks actually blow up? Was Mr. Hooper correct in that assessment? And yes, he was. And we're going to prove that today on the Jaws Obsession. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Jaws Obsession, where we are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. I imagine that if you're listening to this episode, or if you're listening to the Jaws Obsession, you've already seen the movie Jaws, so we all know how the movie ends. So this is a Spoiler spoiler alert, that's uh, almost 50 years old. If this is a spoiler for you, I'm sorry, but the, jo- the shark does blow up at the end of the movie, and it blows up utilizing a scuba tank, which is, which is um, shot at by Chief Brody, and um, it explodes, killing the shark. Conventional wisdom is that that is an unrealistic scene, and um, I think the Jaws community has given this up, and we're I'm here to say that don't not so fast. Do not give that up because this is absolutely can happen. It has happened in the past and we're going to prove that to you. We are going to prove that to you here on the Jaws Obsession for this episode number 12. There was a show called Mythbusters. What they did was in 2005 uh, for their third season and then again in 2015 they did a Jaws special where they tackled different aspects of Jaws and they tried to um, see if it was myth or fact if these things would actually work. And one of them was the exploding scuba tank that they tried to twice to replicate it, of which they never got it to actually explode like it does in the movie. So they called that it was a busted myth. Kind of, everybody kind of settled it after that. What I wanted to show you right now is that what they were using was a flawed experiment in that it did not replicate the exact circumstances that would lead to a scuba tank exploding. 
there are two facts that they they touched on one in uh, the first one, which was back in 2005, but they didn't replicate it for the experiment. The tank did not explode like it probably would have um, back in 1974 with the type of cylinders that Hooper brought onto the Orca. So let's just start in it. This is going to be uh, a very involved episode. Uh, we're going to have a lot of details I'm going to throw at you, and there's going to be a lot of terminology, and, and uh, let's see if we can get through it and if I can explain it very easily here. Everything that happens has some truth to it. Someone on set, so in the book, the, the shark does not die from an, an exploding scuba tank. It did not even die that way in the screenplay treatment, and they had to, they came up with it on the fly. So who got the idea? Uh, where did he or she get the idea of an exploding tank and that it was utilized in the movie? It wasn't Peter Benchley. In fact, I think Peter Benchley may have been on record saying that that's not how scuba tanks react. But I'm here to tell you that in my experience and uh, from when I first got uh, certified as an open water diver um, back when I was uh, 14 years old, all the way to when I was a commercial deep sea diver in dive school, it was always told that scuba tanks explode. My first instructor is kind of like my little tie-in, my little personal connection to Jaws. His name was Dr. Jerry Hallenbach out of Syracuse, New York. And he was with um, National Aquatic Service, was where I got certified in 1992, 1993. And uh, Dr. Jerry was a master diver, over 10,000 hours of dives, um, and he was actually the diving, um, inst- he was the diving instructor and dive master of, uh, on set for the movie, The Deep, where he taught Robert Shaw and, uh, Nick Nolte and, uh, Jacqueline Bissett how to scuba dive and, su- and supervise them. He taught them how to scuba dive and supervise them during the um, making of The Deep. So that was always a story that kind of struck me when I heard that. I go, oh, wow, he taught Robert Shaw how to scuba dive and Robert Shaw was in Jaws and... That was always great, but he I remember him ha- actually showing a piece of an exploded scuba tank and actually talking about how they were they could explode and that that they don't anymore because we use safer materials. So that's what I wanted to kind of lead into is that you have to look at uh, the the era that Hooper was working in. And if we if we go into the Jaws universe, if we dive into the Jaws universe, and we actually show you the uh, elements of what makes a scuba tank explode and why it would have exploded in Jaws, it will lead us to understand the character of Hooper even better. And that's what we're going to do here in this episode. That's going to be, so I'm excited to get into this. So we have to look at the history of scuba tanks. They used to be, they were, at once they were steel tanks. They were really heavy, made of steel. Then in the 70s, they started making them out of aluminum. And uh, this aluminum that they used was an aluminum alloy, 6351, uh, how do we know it was aluminum and not steel? Okay, how do we know that the tank in Jaws was aluminum and not steel? Well, if you look at when uh, Chief Brody's in uh, battling the shark in the sinking orca, he looks down and it's uh, it's floating. Okay, a filled steel tank will sink. Okay, it's too heavy; it will sink. An empty steel tank will float. Okay. However, for a an AL seventy two to AL eighty. Uh, that's an aluminum 1972 to an aluminum 1980 when they were created. Those tanks actually would float with um, with 2,000 PSI of uh, air in, inside it. So those tanks were known to float. You had to wear extra weight in order to get yourself down. Um, those tanks were rated for around 2,475 PSI. If they had 2,000, they would actually float. So we know that the tank had to, it wasn't used by Hooper yet, so it had to be filled. And it was floating, so we there that proves it was an aluminum tank, okay? And the aluminum at the time, in the 70s, had a fatal flaw. 
Okay, let's look into that fatal flaw. We're going to go to aquasportsplanet.com, scuba tank explosions, myth or fact. Okay, and it's just, here's just, I'm just going to read this to you just so you don't take my word for it. This is a common known. Scuba tank explosions are not a myth. Under the right set of circumstances, the highly pressurized air in a scuba tank could explode, causing as much damage as, a, as approximately 300 grams of dynamite. While scuba tanks can explode, it is extremely unlikely that a scuba tank will explode. Yes, scuba tanks can really explode. Now, the explosion, quote-unquote, that takes place from a malfunctioning scuba tank is not necessarily the kind of explosion where there's a lot of fireworks and incineration, unless the tank was filled with an explosive gas other than the air used to fill a standard scuba tank. We're going to get to that a little bit later. The explosion that takes place from a scuba tank is due to the instantaneous release of so much pressurized air creating a high-speed and dangerous projectile that will cause chaos in anything in its surrounding area. If this exploding tank were to come in contact with uh, flammable items, then a traditional explosion could take place. We do know that scuba tanks do explode, okay? And now we have to look at why would a scuba tank from 1974 explode? So let's look at, let's look at that fatal flaw the aluminum tanks had in, in, the, in the 70s and into the 80s. In the 70s, they started to make them out of aluminum because they could be a lot lighter, cheaper, easier to maintain than steel. And in an effort to minimize cost as much as possible, the alloy used for the tank contained lead. That, that, so that aluminum contained lead. So under norm, normal circumstances, this would be a non-issue, but a number of tanks were manufactured that had a defect. During the pouring of the liquid alloy into the tank molds, the softer lead would pool into one area of a tank and create a weak spot, which could expand and contract over time as the tank was used and refilled or stored in a non-climate-controlled area, shed, or garage. And eventually, that weak spot would no longer be able to hold the pressure in, and the tank would rupture quite violently. Okay, so so we know that there was a, a, a fatal flaw in the process of making that aluminum. So let me take you to Breathing Air Australia. Okay, they had an alert. This is from uh, September 6, 2018. Uh, article by Tristan Pelado. Alert old aluminum scuba cylinders at risk of explosion. Further investigation reveals that there are certain types of scuba cylinders, according to model, material, and year of manuf manufacturing, that are considered to have a high possibility of exploding. As far as Australia is concerned, the government was prompted to issue an alert notice to warn the public and inform all businesses involved in filling scuba tanks and classify these problem problematic tanks as, quote, at-risk cylinders. Here under is a list of at-risk cylinders. All cylinders that are made from aluminum alloy 6351, and all cylinders that are 15 years or older. Most common cylinders that are made from aluminum alloy 6351 are aluminum alloy cylinders manufactured between 1972 and 1988. So we know here from this article that 6351, 1972 to 1988. So the you have to think that Hooper was using an aluminum scuba tank, an aluminum cylinder, in 1974, and it was from the aluminum alloy 6351 that we've just proven that has the fatal flaw that can actually reveal stress cracking and weak spots. So uh, if we move along to um, on a professional scuba, okay, so professional scuba inspectors site, a short review of 6351 alloy aluminum cylinders. Goes into some technical information here. Um, remember several scuba and fire SCBA. So, you know, scuba is self-contained underwater breathing apparatus and firefighters use a self-contained breathing apparatus. So it's the same type of cylinder have ruptured explosively in the U.S. from sustained load cracking with an additional few at international locations. 
Although small in numbers, these ruptures cause property damage and personal injury. Sustained load cracking, SLC, metallurgical anomaly, occasionally develops in 6351 aluminum alloy high-pressure cylinders. Um, and it goes to list a na- number of companies that uh, were manufacturing using 6351 alloy. So what we have is we have, it was all over the world that these scuba tanks were manufactured. As they aged, they actually did show, they actually did show it's the propensity to explode. So much so that if you go to later on, you had actual scuba shops refusing to fill these cylinders were there. So you go to scubashackct.com, scubashackconnecticut.com, actually put out a, um, uh, a safety notice, aluminum alloy 6351 tank service advisory. Um, this is April 27th, 2018. It's time to reconsider. Do you own tanks manufactured by Luxfer, U.S. Divers, or Walter Kitty before 1988? It is time to consider replacing them. These tanks were made with 6351 aluminum, alloy aluminum, which is susceptible to sustained load cracking, a weakness occurring with age that can potentially lead to catastrophic failures. Effective January 1st, 2019, Scuba Shack will no longer fill or service 6351 aluminum tanks due to, to, due to potential safety or issues. Now, on each tank, you can actually see there's a date that's always stamped in when the tank was created, and you have a DOT number uh, for that tank. So you would actually see the date of the tank, and you can see it's 76 or 74 and you know that that's the date of when your aluminum tank was made. And we all know that Hooper was using U.S. divers, 1974, if they were brand new when he bought them, and or if they were from 1972 or 73, because we know they started making them after 72. And they had the propensity to explode because they had a fatal flaw in that alloy. Those were not the tanks that Mythbusters used on their two episodes. They used regular aluminum, modern-day aluminum. It's a 6360 alloy that does not have the fatal flaw. It, it does not have the uh, the lead in it, and it's actually sturdier. And, of course, they were brand new, but they were not the, of the 1970s era. So they were using newer scuba tanks and with just regular compressed air. They were missing the the next part of what we're going to reveal here. The next part of what we're going to reveal is the other factor that they were missing, which causes this to be a bomb. It's called mixed gas diving. What Hooper would have been using would have been, if he was the cutting-edge scientist that we knew him to be, Hooper was using mixed gas. Mainly, he was using nitrox inside those cylinders. And let me give you a little bit of detail, because for us to explain this next phase, we're going to have to describe what is actually what I'm going to give you a really quick rundown of scuba diving, is that we all heard about decompression sickness or the bends. I'm going to go to my manual from Deep Sea Diving School. This is uh, some of the material for air decompression. When air is breathed under pressure, nitrogen diffuses into various tissues of the body. The, the nitrogen uptake by the body occurs at different rates for the various tissues, and it continues as long as the partial pressure of the inspired nitrogen in the circulatory and respiratory systems is higher than the partial pressure of the gas absorbed in the tissues. Hence, the amount of nitrogen absorbed in depth absorbed is depth and time dependent. Nitrogen absorption increases as the partial pressure of the inspired nitrogen increases uh, with increased depth. Nitrogen absorption also increases as the duration of the exposure increases with increased bottom time. As a diver begins to ascend, the process is reversed as the partial pressure of nitrogen in the tissues exceeds that in the circulatory system and the respiratory systems. The pressure gradient from the tissues to the blood and lungs must be carefully controlled to prevent too rapid a diffusion of nitrogen. 
Um, if the pressure gradient is uncontrolled, bubbles of nitrogen gas can form in the tissues and blood causing decompression sickness. So what, what, what happens with, when you're scuba diving and you're breathing air at pressure at depth is nitrogen is diffusing into the tissues of your body because the partial pressure is increased on the nitrogen. So that's going into your body than it is when you're breathing in the atmospheric conditions. What happens is if you come up very fast or if you uh, stay down too long, and that nitrogen starts diffusing out of your tissues and actually the bubbles get larger and that's how you have decompression sickness. And we're not going to get into all that other, the, the injuries of it all. But the problem is, is that in order to stay down longer, okay, not deeper, in order to stay down longer, okay, you have to find a way to take the, the amount of nitrogen in an air and you got to decrease it, okay? So that's why you we use when you're... Um, as a like if you're going to be working underwater for quite a long time what you use is a mixed gas dive system nitrox was a gas that was uh that they were experimenting with back in way way before the 70s nitrox refers to any gas mixture composed accepting of trace gases of nitrogen and oxygen so uh, atmospheric air is usually 78 percent nitrogen and 21 percent oxygen and one percent other gases in uh, underwater diving nitrox is normally distinguished from air and handled differently the most common use of nitrox mixtures containing oxygen in higher proportions than atmospheric air is in scuba diving, when the reduced partial pressure of nitrogen is advan advantageous to reducing nitrogen uptake. So this is a lot of, I know I'm throwing a lot of, a lot of numbers at you, but what I want to say is that, that Hooper would have been using mixed gas nitrox in order to stay down longer he would have been prepared to stay down very long to study the white shark in the shark cage as long as he had to be. If, like, let's say he went down and the shark went down or went away and he was just still down there and the shark would come back, you know, he was prepared to stay down there for hours. We're going to go to a 1992 article from Dive Training, To Breathe or Not to Breathe, Exploring the Nitrox Controversy. So nitrox, it's become more commonplace now, but the length of a time a diver may remain at depth or the amount of decompression he must undergo, that means he's got to take his time coming up or he's got to wait for time between dives in order to let that nitrogen, excess nitrogen diffuse out of the tissues of his body. It depends upon the amount of nitrogen absorbed. If a diver breathes air, he breathes a gas mixture containing 79% nitrogen. In uh, nitrox, oxygen is used to replace some of the nitrogen. So instead of breathing in a mixture containing 79% nitrogen, an enriched air mixture, also known as nitrox, let's just say nitrogen and oxygen enriched air mixture, would contain maybe 68% of nitrogen or 64% of nitrogen and the rest oxygen. So then you have like maybe... Uh, you have 36% oxygen. So it's just, it's what they do is they mix pure oxygen with nitrogen and they decrease the amount of nitrogen in that gas that you're breathing. And thus that lowers the amount of nitrogen. It extends the amount of time that you can stay on, stay underwater because it lowers the amount of nitrogen partial pressure getting into your bloodstream. The great advantage of using nitrox is the extension of no decompression limits for three of the most popular air dive tables. Additionally, using nitrox can shorten the required surface interval between repetitive dives. Um, the diver can make a longer repetitive dive with the same surface interval as a comparable air dive. So if Hooper had two tanks with nitrox, he actually could stay down 
as long as the tank had air in it, right? So let's say he was down at whatever depth he was. He could come right up and he could grab that other tank, throw it on and go back down without having to wait the standard time that the dive tables tell you to wait because he has less nitrogen in his body. That's why he would be using nitrox. Okay, so the downside of nitrogen, and this is going to what leads us to the Jaws bomb effect, okay, is from uh, the Guide of Oxygen Compatibility Assessments on Oxygen Components and Systems by uh, K.R. Rosales from 2005. Quote, any gas which contains a significantly larger percentage of oxygen than air is a fire hazard, and such gases can react with hydrocarbons or lubricants and sealing materials inside the filling system to produce toxic gases even if, uh, even if a fire is not apparent. When I was in deep sea diving school, my dive instructor, Richard Cortez, so this was later on, this was after open water dive school, but I, I had a dive instructor named Richard Cortez. He was an old Navy diver. Um, from the Vietnam days. So he had, uh, he was a Na U.S. Navy diver. The guy, um, I, he was filled with so much knowledge. But um, when we were learning to utilize mixed gas diving and, and saturation diving, he described uh, the volatile nature of nitrox as we were, because we worked with Heliox in order to decrease that. We had uh, nitrogen, we would just use a, a mixture of helium and oxygen. So there was no nitrogen at all. So therefore, you could stay down really long times and, and go and, at greater depths, and um, there would be no effects of nitrogen narcosis. What Richard Cortez would, would say when the old, he would talk about how they would dive with nitrox in the old, old days, and he would say that if it was basically they were swimming with bombs on their back because it was very volatile. And that's just what they were doing. And the, 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 it was replaced later on with Heliox, which was a safer, to them it was, a, 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 to the, the government standards, it was just safer. All right, so the conventional wisdom has been that, oh, the ex exploding scuba tank was a myth, all right? So, we're, so using all these elements, we're here to show you that what we know is the science of mixed gas diving and the fatal flaw of the 6351 alloy aluminum used for the tanks in the 1970s. The Jaws universe can now expand and ac accept this fact that you had a weakened aluminum tanks, you had a mixed gas that you were using that is more volatile because it is more oxygen was used in mixed gas. So Hooper could have been using a 60-40 mixture. So if, if atmospheric conditions have 21% oxygen, Hooper could have had 40% oxygen 60% nitrogen in that mixed gas mixture for those tanks. And anything that is any gas which contains a significantly larger percentage of oxygen. So 21% Hooper was using 40% oxygen is a fire hazard according to the Guide for Oxygen Compatibility Assessments on Oxygen Components and Systems. Hooper would have been using would have been basically a bomb. And that shows you why he was so why he was so quick to jump on Chief Brody's case, that it is compressed air. But if you do screw around with these things, they're going to blow up. And he is right. He was so right to be cautious about that. Of course, he wasn't about to explain the particulars to his two uh, the, the, his two shipmates there because you know he could be he could have been walking away and saying that these guys wouldn't even know that the half of what I could explain to them this is just a chief of police and some Neanderthal 
in, in his rage, of course, he's going to say it's compressed air, but he's not going to show you the particulars of why he was so nervous. Because most divers would be just like, oh, man, you boy, you pulled the wrong knot, you know, because I've seen I've seen scuba tanks fall on their sides and, and all that stuff like that. And that, nothing's going to happen. But he was very jumpy. So he knew that he was using a mixed gas. He knew that... Yes, scuba tanks do explode because they were they they did have a weak spot back then, and that was just a conventional wisdom of those old school divers, that uh, even even the the divers that I worked with, they would always say about like oh those old aluminum tanks and yeah, those old aluminum tanks would blow up. Did you know that they would blow up? And they would even have like pieces of of an aluminum tank that would blow up, that they would show people. So that is that would explain Hooper's anger during the scene. But more so, the fact that that tank blew up proves to us that he was using mixed gas and he was using the old cylinders, of course, because it's 1974. But more so, what that exploding tank allows us to actually dig down and discover is what type of scientist Matt Hooper was. You know, he was a young marine biologist, but he was way ahead of his time in theories and techniques. Recreational divers didn't even, they, they use nitrox today in recreational diving to get the advantages of being able to stay down longer, repetitive dives, but they were not using it back in the 70s. But Matt Hooper would have been using it because he is way ahead of his time in his theories and techniques. He's utilizing cutting-edge technology at the time of his investigations and scientific endeavors. Like when you saw, um, when, when they were looking for Ben Gardner's boat, he's got all this tech on his boat, and Brody's asking him about it, and he's, you know, he's always trying and testing and pushing the limits, sparing no expense. We can actually discover here that Matt Hooper was one of the few pioneers of recreational mixed gas diving because that tank exploded the way it did. He was one of those guys that would rather have the technology and not need it than need the technology and not have it. So he would have had mixed gas because he said, you know what, what if I want to do multiple, what if I have to do multiple dives here? What if I have to stay down really long and I don't want to have to follow my uh, decompression tables? If I use mixed gas, I can stay down longer. So, but let's say I only have to do a 15-minute dive. Oh, well, I didn't need it. But if I have to, I, I'd rather have it, you know, and then not need it than need it and not have it. And it was that mentality that just happened to play a huge factor in setting up Brody's victory over the shark. And that's what makes this so special. So if you look at the factors that actually lead to a tank exploding, uh, we can tell, we can we, we find out way more about the character of Matt Hooper, and it actually draws us into how each man, each of the three men on the Orca, played a role in the victory over the shark. Show me the way to go. I'm tired, I want to go to bed. There we have it, episode 12 in the books, and we learned a little about scuba tanks and exploding scuba tanks, and maybe those Mythbusters guys could invest in a 1974 aluminum alloy 6351 tank, fill it with mixed gas nitrox, and I'll bet your results will be a lot different. A lot more different. Movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. The copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the Fair Use Guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act. All rights reserved to the copyright owners. Show me the way to go.
I could have gone longer here. We had a lot more information here, but I wanted to keep this short. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Maybe, maybe in a later episode, we can actually bring some divers on and we can actually talk about exploding tanks um, that uh, in the right conditions, you are swimming with a bomb on your back. And Brody was just able to exploit that in the movie Jaws. So please remember to go to JawsOB.com. Go visit our Telegram channel at JawsOB. Uh, go to our contacts page. You can get linked to our Discord server. And you can come join a chat. Leave comments. Um, leave comments and concerns. Ideas for future episodes. We're that much closer to episode 20. It's going to be a good time. So I appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you for joining me this week. Thanks for listening. Until next week, farewell and adieu, and show me the way to go home. <laughs>